0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 113. I just have to say right up front that in this conversation with my new friend, Jeff McLean, we several times referenced the fact that uh, this episode would be episode number 115. And the fact is, I was just wrong about it. This is 113, everybody. Um, However, I do have several more episodes already recorded um, that are coming their way to you very soon. So anyway, just like to get that off, you know, just get that off off of my chest here. Um, it's episode 113, which feels crazy, to be honest. Um, okay, I don't have any news. I I just um, happy to be here. I'm happy to share this project with you. And more than anything, I'm so happy to have this episode for you this conversation that I had with Jeff was one of my favorite um one of my favorite episodes ever so far um the the stuff we get into is like exactly at the crux of what this project is about um what Artifice is about as a podcast as you know kind of a a philosophical concept for me um yeah, just like the, the, the wishy-washy lines around what art is, what it should be, what it can be, who an artist is, what artistry means, what, you know, all of these things, like where are the bounds of creativity? Um, the Venn diagram between creativity and art, um, what kind of is in that perfect little middle section and what's on either side of it. Um, it's my favorite, favorite, it's my favorite kind of stuff to talk about and Jeff just talked about it so beautifully. And, um, I just, i I find this conversation really valuable and I hope that, um, you guys feel that way as well. Um, if you haven't heard it already, my new song, Bitter Roots, is out. It came out um, last two weeks ago. When you hear this, it will have been about two weeks ago. Go check it out. Um, the Hallowed Wide is also out. The first two tracks from my new album. If you'd like to hear the entire album, it's for sale on my website. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear from you if you're liking it, etc. all the things. And happy November. It's exciting. It's exciting that we're here in November where my favorite holiday of the year happens. And we're going to have a family dinner in person this year. We missed it last year. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, yeah, that's all. Okay, I'm going to tell you guys a little bit more about Jeff McLean. Jeff McLean played Warner Huntington III in the 2008 national tour cast of Legally Blonde, the musical. He was in Spamalot in Las Vegas before joining the Legally Blonde family. Jeff also toured around the world as a solo artist and has performed since he was a child. His famous father, Michael McLean, included Jeff in countless productions, which gave him unmatched training and earned confidence. After performing all over the world and receiving the best training possible, Jeff has become passionate about helping his students discover their voice and all its components. This discovery process gives his students permission to fall in love with the sound of their own voice. The journey of connecting with your emotions, understanding them, and allowing them to express vocally will be the key to creating the most beautiful and honest musicality. I really believe that. Training and performing all over the world for the past two decades has been a shaping experience. Jeff has gained keen awareness about what kind of training is the most beneficial to defining his students' vocal artistry and technique. He can help anyone who is willing to fall in love with their own voice as... Together, Jeff and his students unwrap their the beauty of their voices. His students develop the confidence that is crucial to understanding and utilizing the components of their voice. This discovery process will allow exquisite and honest musicality to flourish. I love it. The the values um, that Jeff and I get into in this conversation are so beautifully put in this in in his bio. Um and yeah, I mean, I've talked it up enough. I can't wait for you to hear it. So without further ado, here comes Jeff McLean. Great art almost feels like magic. It opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly. Of course, behind all great art, there are artists. And I think that's where the real magic happens. As we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do, we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill and this is Artifice.
1: Well, no, just making anything happen 150 times is yeah, so 15, much work. 115. 115. So are is this 116?
0: This will be 115, I think.
1: Do we need a celebratory dance about it? I don't know. 115. I, frankly, things.
0: like the way that I feel, I want to do a celebratory dance after every episode. You know, like I think each we're doing one, one right now. Yeah, each like one feels in our special. Chairs. Yeah, in our little a
1: chairs. little celebratory. <laughs> <coughs> that made me cough now.
0: <coughs> Singing.
1: So this is 115.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's. I always have like a bank of interviews that I've already done, but I released episode. Uh, I edited episode 108 yesterday. Do you like the I editing done, process? I don't do a ton of editing. It's pretty organic. I basically just get the levels right. Yeah. And chop off the b- very beginning and the very end.
1: Because my dad started a podcast and really? he's like really good at it. Really? Because he'll like he does edit a lot of his, um, he'll edit his like original music. Cool. So he comments on the music and oh, then cool. edits it in. Cool. And we, we started the podcast thing. That all eludes me. I don't yeah. know how to do any of those things, yeah. but he's actually surprisingly good at it and enjoys it quite a bit. Really? Yeah.
0: I, I mostly just like talking to people. That's the part that I'm excited about. Yeah. And the, all the technical stuff is like, means to an end
1: oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm more into like me. that i like the creative moments yeah instead of Same. being like oh how what's garage band i, like, know, I don't know I, how to do I any know. of those things i
0: need to learn i like i it, i have it as like a goal for my 30s to learn how to do production a little bit
1: you're like, not 30 i'm 33 <laughs> wow. we're already into it
0: we're already into this <laughs> i'm
1: really happy for your 30s goal <laughs> You. When you pass your 30s and you're in your 40s, you're kind of like, I think I'm going to do that by 50. Yeah. You just kind of right. create, you, you broaden the horizon.
0: Yes. my One of my other goals for my 30s was to learn how to do like winged eyeliner, which I think I have. I think I got it. Oh,
1: my God. Makeup is so hard. Makeup like I hard. pretend like I try to do it. <laughs> yeah. Like my husband and I are like, you know, let's do f- makeup night and we'll go to those like. Ulta or whatever, and get those like yeah. color palettes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll get them, and <laughs> like I'm like, con- I want pinks. You're and talking of about
0: contouring we- palettes. Yeah. No
1: clue what that oh. <laughs> means, but yeah, sure. I, that. Don't,
0: I don't do that either. Just even contouring.
1: getting like a an eyeliner. It's yeah. even.
0: I know it's hard. It's so it's hard. hard. I talk about this with my husband sometimes. Like,
1: he doesn't get it. Do you
0: have any idea how much time like teenage girls spend learning how to like put? Paint on their faces.
1: Well, if you don't spend the time, then the symmetry—it's about mm. symmetry. Mm-hmm. It's really rough. Um, my husband's going through some skin issues right now, mm. and um, I like my—I sk- don't have any like as yeah. far as acne or whatever. And I do spend an insane amount of money on my face, just really? making <laughs> it look and fake pretend flawless (laughs) um and so he's been going through like some adult acne things and i was like oh this has got to stop also the amount of work it takes just to like cover um concealer yeah yeah it's insane it
0: is insane i don't do that i don't i don't i don't own foundation because i i can't handle it
1: It it's too too much much work it's so much work
0: yeah Okay. Hi. Hi, let's get started. I I like
1: it. Let's (laughs) do it. I like it it too. Hi, welcome. (laughs) Hi,
0: welcome to you. You're the one who's welcome. Welcome
1: to 115. (laughs) Yeah. We're doing this.
0: (laughs) Okay. I like to start with everybody in the same place, which is, tell me what you were like as a creative child.
1: Uh, I sang constantly. Okay. Constantly. There was, um, my first memory and I don't know if I've just seen a lot of movies because and uh, my my childhood is like probably just movies I watched as a child or like glimpses, but it feels like I'm watching a movie when I think about my childhood because totally. I don't remember tons
0: well and I a lot of my guests will say something like you know memory is fallible, and I feel like it's part of the question which like, is the fun how part. do you as an adult yeah. like re- think about what you were like as a creative child the story
1: I'm telling, which is yeah, what yeah. we're doing here is telling exactly. stories exactly so I remember vivid like um driving over Parley's because we I was born in Salt Lake but we moved to Heber
0: okay and for the listener Heber's kind of by Park City
1: Heber's by Park City and so there's the Wasatch Mountains Salt Lake and Provo and you are on one side right And the other side of the mountain between Park City Heber and then Sundance so okay excuse me Burping. Didn't even hear it. Didn't it uh, excuse me. Hi, welcome to my podcast. <laughs> it's my this podcast is my podcast, <laughs> voice. Oh. Hi, welcome. So, um, it's sandwiched. No, Love. okay, so it's right between <laughs> Park City and Sundance.
0: Okay, okay. So, anyway,
1: my earliest memories are singing to myself. And like there's rain on the window, yeah. And I'm like touching the rain beads, and I hear myself singing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, there is like many a tale of I would sing myself to sleep.
0: Interesting. I
1: would sing I all the time, all so, the time, all the time, all the time.
0: One question that I often have for people who, whose parents are in the arts, is like, how can can you just reflect on like how you were conceptualizing your own relationship with singing and with music um and not kind of having it be like an extension of what was going on with your like your dad's career
1: um great question also um (laughs) i have this ongoing joke with my really good friend um Oh my gosh, I love him so much, Frank. So I did Legally Blonde with his wife. Okay, we did cool. the Legally Blonde first national tour, and she was like the Sunday L. And then we also did it at like Pittsburgh CLO. Okay, and we also did a show together called Tales of the City with Kathleen.
2: Okay,
1: Kathleen Monteleone, she's like gorgeous beyond, and her voice is phenomenal, and she's one of my favorite human beings. Um, anyway, so we're in San Francisco. And we're doing the show Tales of the City. And my ex-husband was in the show Tales of the City. It was this Armistead Malpin musical that, like... The, what's his uh, jake shears from the scissor sisters and John okay. garden and everybody did the music for it, it was super cool amazing and it, we were at act and we're living in san francisco when we're like on knob hill and my ex-husband and his wife were in the show and so frank and i were just hanging together and okay. we became besties awesome and he's a joy so anyway frank happens to be like a, um his great 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 grandfather started like the hotel monteleone
0: okay okay
1: and um so he's like generationally like part of this like huge um institution okay hence there's levels of inheritance so uh, we have this joke where we're like how to be successful in life step one have your great 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 grandfather start a hotel (laughs) step two inherit some of the money from that yeah. hotel <laughs> step three start a life yeah so it's kind of like it's like the thing about being raised in a family where your dad makes money doing music yeah. is that music and singing were a non-thing right it wasn't so you just i uh, you just it's not that i i've always been defined always from the very beginning as his son
0: sure
1: so um So
0: I I think I told you like I had never heard of like the first time I heard of your dad was in that podcast you sent me (laughs) to get to know you. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So like yeah, you're a totally like you're a fresh slate with me. Um because like I didn't grow up here and I don't know about you.
1: Yeah, and you're in your thirties. Yeah. Dad's dad was big in (laughs) the eighties and nineties. Like huge. So he's like everyone my age and older knows him really well.
0: Okay. Yeah. So so your dad's like Mormon famous? Yeah, yeah, and, He's and like a little Mormon, beyond famous. Mormon famous. A little
1: beyond um he just has like 50 albums and wow. Yeah. was like a big deal in the 80s and 90s when right. I was growing up. Two yeah. Mormons and made all the movies for the church and all the okay. all the it okay. did, did much of that.
2: Okay. So yeah.
1: my whole life was like being on set right. with like um, making movies, um, going on tour with him. Yeah. So I started singing with him when I was 11. Okay. So like around puberty is when I started like singing with dad, yeah. but I've been singing my whole life. And I think that my actual vocal identity, um, was in its purest form when I was a child. Yeah. And then I did a really good job of singing everybody else's songs sure. and I'm a voice coach now and I've done everything and I can do everything with my voice as far as like vocally, yeah. Yeah. but I'm still figuring out what my voice is. I love that
0: you said that. That's so beautiful. You know, I think I feel a really similar way. Um my parents are not musicians but are narcissists. Yeah. And so um I also had like an identity confusion yeah. for many years, which happens when your parents are narcissists. Yeah. Um but yeah, I like when you told this story about like tracing the rain with your fingers, that's very main character, you know, that's very yeah, like, yeah, yeah. this is my like pure, perfect little moment. And I'm singing and this singing is mine and it means something to me. So I can totally imagine that while the people around you are sort of conceptualizing your singing as like, Oh, well, of course he sings his dad sings and you're seeing it as like, this I think is so my- fascinating.
1: that visual of like, you're right. I was talking to my therapist about this the other day. She yeah. was like, um, when was it ever all just about you? Yeah. And I was like, well, never. But yeah, like when yeah, I was that, yeah. that visual of me being the hero, the, the hero yeah. of the story.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, at about five, six, that all kind of went to shit.
2: Okay.
1: When we moved to Heber.
2: Okay.
1: And um, my, grandpa- my dad's parents moved in with us. Okay. And there was a lot of like um, self-identity and trying to figure stuff out and multi-generational yeah. homes. Yeah. And then I just sang... Um, for myself is like an escape. Yeah. And then um when I started singing with dad at about eleven twelve, I don't know. I, I kind was of just got always like, twisted up. A little bit. Cause it was all about singing and family and religion and God. Yeah, and and it was all of, one big thing.
0: It's like it has a specific purpose that's not kind of its own like expression or something. When you were little, can you talk more about like Like, I'd love to just know, like, how you were thinking of it as a child. And I know memory's fallible. Like I said, it's interesting, but like, did it feel like something that was like, um, like when it was an escape? Were you like aware of it, or was it just like like a self soothing that was kind of like in retrospect later you realize it was valuable?
1: Total self soothing. Yeah. Total self soothing, and um, there was a. I like to actually, I like to hear in. I like to feel my voice yeah yeah so I talk a lot about um in just teaching now I talk a lot about like stop listening start feeling yes because your voice expresses your emotions perfectly
0: I do the same thing
1: and um like it's that's what it's made for like my hands pick up this phone
2: right
1: or adjust this microphone then my voice expresses my emotions so I'm telling you about my experience as I'm communicating right. via my voice right. how I feel and my experience.
0: Right. And it's like beyond the text. Like it's I know what you mean. Like it's beyond yeah. the words. And you're I feel saying. like singing's like...
1: like your God voice, where everything mm-hmm. like I'm amazing and confident and sexy and cool but also insecure sad alone and awkward all exist in the same note yeah and in the same sound when we sing because it's like if you can't say it you sing it because it's that elevated version of communication It gets
0: that like paralinguistic stuff out of you yeah and
1: i knew i couldn't like who i was Mm. but i could love my singing voice
0: did you like did you think about it like that back then like did you think like oh i feel bad i'm gonna go sing like was it something that you like Cool. You were yeah. kind of like aware of it.
1: Yeah, I was aware that I was wrong and that I was didn't fit and didn't belong at about five, yeah. five, yeah. six years old. Wow, is when it started to get scary because um, knowing I was gay and other and different yeah. um, in Heber City, Utah, in the eighties was like very weird. So I would sing to soothe. Um, uh, we uh, we grew up in like a very. Um, explosive home okay. so there was spanking was very regular um, lots of screaming lots of yelling lots of okay. there was and not just like I'm gay I've got to go deal with my shame <laughs> it yeah. was like there was just a lot of explosion sure. dad was pretty volatile as a creative person mm-hmm. my mom was also really volatile and then them living with my paternal grandparents um, they were really volatile wow. so everything was yelling and screaming in World War 3 yeah. so I would go to soothe from the fact sure, that there was a lot kind of, of like toxic energy going
0: yeah on go lot. kind of tuck away and sing me, yeah um i have a couple more questions see how were you you may ask <laughs> great <laughs> how, um were you selective as like a little kid about like the types of songs you were singing like were there certain things you were drawn to certain kind of stories you wanted to sing um or was it kind of just like anything and everything
1: um music was very i remember we got cds a CD player when i was like 11 yeah 10 or 11 yeah. and my parents like got all like there was no music that was off limits okay cool. in our house so a lot of mormons are raised with like you can yeah. only listen to michael mcclain for right, example right, 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 right. you right. can only listen to um <laughs> to like classical mormon or mormon tab, tab or whatever yeah. so my tastes were like um Michael Jackson' Bad CD was like huge, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then um, Thriller was big. The uh, there was this album called Extreme Porno Graffiti, okay, that I was obsessed yeah. with. That More Than Words was on,
0: yeah, more than words, yeah, yeah, got
1: it. And there's Hey Man, Woman, Hey, and I. it was like very intense. It was like that was kind of like my rebel album. But I mostly grew up with um, my mom. The second school was out every single May. Um, the station wagon would be packed. We couldn't even like go into the house. She would jump out every year surprises like we didn't know this was happening she would throw water balloons at us as we got off the bus as we because we have this long driveway okay and so we would get thrown with water balloons we'd be soaking wet and we'd immediately jump in the station wagon with our backpacks like you couldn't even go inside to drop off your backpacks (laughs) the car was packed yeah and we would take the station wagon and we would drive immediately to this cabin that our family had in Bear Lake okay and at Bear Lake there was no television there was only Jan and Dean the mamas and the papas um, the beach boys and all of my mom's child music so it was like nat king cole tony bennett so there was a lot of like classic traditional um frank sinatra song crooning so my childhood was very like um doris day okay that out that record yeah yeah the standards of like
0: standards but kind of Done by the pop singers of that time. The pop singers yeah. of that
1: time who happened to be like With croony you. croony. Got it. So I have a very like croony voice when I sing.
0: Okay. Um, you haven't mentioned musical theater. Were you, were you, did you love any shows as a kid?
1: Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, I loved musical theater actually because, so my grandmother was a brilliant storyteller and they mm. lived in New York and she would go to all the shows, but they didn't have enough money to take my parents. Okay. So she would reenact all of the shows yeah. for the kids Love. at the house after yeah. or movies or whatever. She yeah. was a brilliant storyteller and that's where my wow. dad really gets it. Cool. Um, so dad, same trip to Bear Lake M- Memorial day, yeah. whatever the end of May we're yeah, on yeah. our way. So we're in the car station wagon. I remember this vividly. My dad's like, the story of Les Mis and he pushes play on the record and then he, and then he describes everything that's going on with Les Mis in the show and the book and what's happening. And then, um, when I was 10, um, we went to New York, um, to see Les Mis, And we sat on the front row of the balcony. My mom's best friend from high school was like a big banker in New York. And she got us front row tickets. And we saw the original Broadway company when I was 10 years old of Les Mis. And I was sold. Yeah, yeah, I was like, this is it. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's powerful stuff.
1: Yeah, but musical theater was also hard. And New York was hard because everyone who did musical theater or moved to New York was gay. "Quote yeah, unquote," sure. there was a lot of homophobia around yeah. that, so I didn't actually go study musical theater immediately or go to New yeah. York because we'll talk there more. was a lot yeah. of fear in that, for sure. Totally,
0: I was just talking with someone the other day. Uh, I loved musical theater primarily as a child. For context, my degrees are in jazz studies. Oh, fine. So that's kind of like where I yeah where I did my professional study. Um, but as a child, I loved musical theater, and I think for me, part of the reason I loved it is. I loved the 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 more the heavier the content the better. Yeah, and I think I was dealing with things that I couldn't explain at home. There was like a lot of verbal and emotional abuse mm-hmm. in my childhood.
1: I'm sorry.
0: It's okay. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Um, ther- it's not okay, ther- but, but yeah. Has, <laughs> therapy has made me okay. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think like singing songs from these Broadway shows that are these really. Um, these stories of a lot of pain, it almost like gave me an outlet to kind of like express some of these darker things that I was dealing with that I wouldn't have known how to articulate in That's colloquial language. so interesting that language. you say that because
1: I remember... Um, I got a lot of the attitudes about musical theater from my parents because they were the ones who described it to me and introduced me to it. There were summers that we would go to New York and I would see 15 shows. Like I saw Ragtime and like I saw Ragtime, um, Lion King, um, I love you. You're perfect. Now change, like we yeah. Aida. Like we saw all of the shows every summer. Cool. Because my dad grew up in New York, and we had um a lot of family there. And then my dad actually was writing a show that was later off Broadway called okay. The Ark in 2006. Oh, I've heard
0: of The Arc. Yeah.
1: Um. So he wrote that. Anyway. Um, there was a saturation in musical theater, and sure. we became very like musical theater critics. And then when I was 16, The Arc was in this um. ASCAP workshop and okay. so Stephen Schwartz was there and I would sing with him and he'd talk about musical wow. theater and this was at the time that they were like starting to write Wicked okay. and then while they were writing Wicked I was like teaching at the Adderley School in the Palisades musical theater and okay. like Ben Platt was a student there and like all the Platt's were students there. And so they were writing Wicked at the same point and it was just coming out. So my whole life was kind of filled a totally
0: different perspective than me. With musical
1: theater. And like just looking at it as a as a form of art and also critiquing it. But I remember watching Rent and my parents going, What is this? Like just complaining about AIDS? And then it then F U F U F U. you, now feel sorry for me yeah, like there yeah. was a lot of and you know Phantom of the Opera isn't my favorite. Yeah. I'm like he's like a rapist.
0: Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's not acceptable. So there was yeah. a lot
1: of we we were like we picked our sides. We were very like
0: you had a different adamant yeah.
1: about these are the shows that we like and these are the shows that we don't like. But um. Oh, wow. I was always drawn to it, always loved it, and started doing musical theater when I was like in sixth grade because we had a very prominent musical theater program in Hebrew. It's like cool. to this day, still the child's musical theater programs there are wow. nuts. They do like four shows a year. It's crazy.
0: It's crazy, yeah. That's awesome though. I mean, yeah, it's it's so interesting. This is why, like, I say this on the podcast all the time, but it's the first time I've talked to you, so I'll say it again. Um, I think it's easy to look at adult creatives and make a lot of assumptions about what our backgrounds are were like and with specific regard to our relationship to our mediums um our relationship to creativity and kind of developing an artistic voice and of course like all of our stories are totally different so you know you and i are now both uh we're both professional singers living in utah but we have completely different relationships with music or at least started out differently Mm -hmm. um i have maybe like one other question about your childhood just because i I'm fascinated by, I'm fascinated by it. Um, what were you, were you interested in any other mediums? Like, were you writing stories? Were you reading books? Uh, how was like film a part of your childhood? So you could talk about it in terms of stuff that you're starting to make or also just stuff you're consuming. Um, of, like, it was very clear
1: that as McLean children, we all had a thing. Okay, uh, My brother's an actor. And so acting and accents and everything were his thing. Oh my gosh! And filmmaking Wait, was his thing.
0: What's the birth order like? How many? So siblings? there's
1: Megan, who's four years older than me. Okay. And then there's Scott, who's um, sixteen months older than me. So we're like Irish twins. Okay. And then I'm the okay. baby.
0: Okay, three of you.
1: There's three of us. And okay. so Scott's our actor, writer, and he would like okay. write on the guitar. I he played the when, piano. How old
0: was he when this was like a def- like? When this was kind of decided? Always. Always. Wow. There was
1: no moment that we didn't know this.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah, okay. and he
1: filmed, and he, so he would be the filmmaker, and then I would be the person to operate the camera. I could never be on, on the camera. And then he was always the one that was picked when Dad was doing movies and commercials. I'm actually mortified. of acting on film like mortified to i think i'm a shitty terrible actor i truly do to this day um i that i fake it and Mm. i think i'm i'm very insecure about acting Mm. even though um authenticity and connecting to self is like my go-to vocally um i'm mortified of acting because it's my brother's thing because he's very good and has a master's in it and has won awards and is like That's his thing. Okay. And my thing is I sing. And Scott sings too. He has like albums, but we both share a little bit of it. But like my thing is that I'm the singer and Scott's the actor and my sister was an actor as well, but she's now like a lawyer. Okay. But like everybody has their bit. Okay. So I didn't cross the line. Did
0: that feel like burdensome to you as a child? Like
1: No, I just understood that that's what my... That's just what it was. That's what it was. Wow. Because we all were really good at something.
0: Yeah, yeah. Is there anything else that you want to say about just anything you remember about your identity or perspective with regards to art and creativity? Like, I don't know, before you were a teenager,
1: um, I a thousand percent was confused with like my identity as far as like my sexual identity and being gay yeah. and stuff. Yeah. But there was never a moment that I wasn't great.
0: Okay. And you like identified that, like, as an I, artist. Yeah. You were like, I am an artist. I am a creator. I was a
1: singer and I was the best singer there was.
0: And you felt ownership over that. Yeah,
1: and I was validated beyond the beyond. Like mm. I sang it everything. My mom forced me to sing it everything. I was every talent show. And every you weren't
0: ever insecure about that.
1: Well, I was like nervous, but yeah. I was never like um Like we always, every Christmas we had like the McLean talent show. We have all these video footage and my mom was always tap dancing and like there was always this like. It felt
0: like like right.
1: It was right. We performed and I was always great.
0: Yeah. Wow. And there there was never like, there was never like a question in the back of your mind of like, am I borrowing like someone else's talent no because we all had
1: our own like we we all got to be great at our own thing um my because my dad doesn't sing so i'm the voice he like never had and it's interesting too because as i look back i i literally formidably did everything to be exactly what my dad wishes he was Oh like gosh. with the voice yeah. and the height and the hair and the jawline and the looks and the th- and like the being the leading man and That's so it was it's been a lot, yeah, yeah, it's like like unpacking that, yeah, but um, it was never ever not an option to have it be your job. And music and singing always made money. So we were supported so by the crazy. fact that dad performed all yeah. the time and like yeah. was creative. So it never occurred to me that it wasn't a job or that I needed to like work harder. Or yeah, that's
0: so different. <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's such a different, like it's such a different story from the And it the doesn't occur to me that of... you
1: would ever think you couldn't. Yeah, yeah. But or that I you have to go get yeah. another job or another right. thing. And what's weird is that people think that I teach because I can't do it. It's very Mm -hmm. funny. People like like leaving New York and leaving Broadway and leaving that life of constant performance because it just wasn't what I loved. Keep talking. I'm just going to check what that pop was. People genuinely come up to me and go, oh, you must be like you're doing you're a voice teacher now because you can't do it
0: people are ignorant
1: and they're like oh you're just a voice teacher and i'm yeah. like okay whatever it's what? it's it's weird because i turned down the thing that everybody wishes that they were doing
0: cuz it just wait tell me like tell me more i feel like i know what you're saying but like
1: oh i performed nonstop for 25 years 30 years of my life i've had enough applause like i never need to perform ever again ever you you say i'm a professional singer and i'm like yes i am i never ever want to learn another goddamn song i never want to sing in front of people ever again yeah and i have zero need to have anyone clap for me just
0: because like you did it or is it something else is it like because i I did did it it, I I i did
1: it forever yeah yeah, and I it's yeah. th- enough like I'm good yeah. like yeah. I've been saturated in the world of what that life is and well, I don't want that life and
0: especially like what you said earlier with like you're still kind of trying to figure out like what your own voice wants to do um, maybe that's you didn't quite say. It like no, that, that is,
1: but and I'm I'm in the process of like still discovering what yeah. my voice does. Yeah, yeah. Because I was a I became the best vocal student that any teacher has ever had. Yeah, yeah. And then I was um the best Mormon vocalist for a gay kid, who couldn't feel the spirit because I was wrong and evil. That's so But confusing. yet when I sang, the spirit was always there. Yeah. And I would I would punctuate like the prophets words yeah, yeah, and i would instant when the second i'd open my mouth spirit existed sure. in the room
0: that's a mindfuck and it that's was a total like, mindfuck yeah, yeah that's pretty intense i can totally see how your relationship with these things that you are an expert in um would be kind of yeah. befuddled. fuddled.
1: <laughs> like, and I think teaching has also been the thing that has reconnected me to my voice yeah. because I have to ask students to do things that I have to be willing to do myself yeah. or have explored. And um, it's for sure reconnecting me to like my voice and stuff when I am depressed, though, and miserable and despondent and dealing with my like yeah. my worth and my value, which was like my whole life of everything. Yeah. Um, I do stop singing. They're like, yeah. like I don't sing to soothe. Like I disconnect from like my wow. childhood connection to voice Yeah, and I get very, um, I don't sing for fun.
0: Yeah. I teach a lot too. And, and I also find that teaching is, so my childhood kind of trauma and bullshit is not wrapped up in music. Like, like yours is, um, like music, music was like the one thing that I could kind of keep fairly pure. And uh, my parents just weren't interested enough in it to uh, bring their negativity to it. Like they Mm. just weren't, they just weren't interested enough to ruin it. It wasn't on their radar. Yeah. They just, they weren't interested enough to take it away from me. Um, I mean, there were definitely things like, you know, when they would come to see me perform, they would criticize it, but they just, they just weren't, they weren't touching it enough for it to mm-hmm. kind of, you know, take it away from me. Um, but I do find that teaching allows me to sort of like mitigate some of my own, like it, it's like karma, karma. Like yeah. it, it allows me to kind of write some of those things. I think by being like a responsible shepherd of a young person's,
1: I love that you said karma. Because I genuinely am literally, and I say this with my husband a lot, I'm like, I'm like healing this karmic wound. Like, yeah. there's a lot of karmic wounds that I have from 30 years of voice training where I like had so all these teachers, right. and I get to be the voice teacher I wish I always had Same, instead yeah. of the ones I got, which were the best in the world. Let's be yeah. real. I have yeah. can complain hardly of, of nothing of yeah. that way. But I spent so much time trying to make teachers and, happy.
0: Right. And there's a perfectionism that gets kind of all in there. And
1: learning to do yeah. a style perfectly. Ugh yeah 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 i roll
0: i never had teachers like that i mean i had a i had a couple of voice teachers in my teens but they were like just the cheapest whoever you know Mm -hmm. the kind of cheapest person um but for me when i'm when i'm working with my students i'm not so much thinking about writing the wrongs of like my voice teachers as i'm thinking of writing the wrongs of like being a shepherd of a young person's creativity oh, that's so, cute.
1: so my yeah. experience was i took from seth riggs who was yeah. the biggest voice teacher in the world I know about seth and riggs, then yeah. like michael jackson was at my voice lessons and like ray charles and like what? courtney love would storm in high and like <laughs> kiss me on the face and so
2: crazy, like
1: Jeff. like it was yeah. nuts yeah and like singing like in malibu with like david foster and like Seeing Power of the Dream at his house and like introducing him to my parents, That's like so it was bizarre. very much like yeah. Josh Groban and I were just vocal peers.
0: Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah, I can totally see how you would be like over it with certain parts of parts of this.
1: So when 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 your voice teacher creates a technique yeah. and you don't sing the technique perfectly, yeah. you don't matter. Sure. In the same way that like if I'm only Mormon, good enough. Right. Then I'll be valuable to this community. Right. If I'm right. only gay enough, sure. then I'll be accepted by this community. So I learned that like there's there's structure and there's um, rules to everything. Yeah. And if you can do it well enough to the point where you exhaust yourself trying,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: can get favor and win. But you also just get exhausted and lose yourself. That's
0: crazy. Yeah. Like, these are lessons you're learning as such a young kid. That's just that's really heavy. That's a lot. So normally I, I like a to... lot of money
1: to my therapist. <laughs> I have I'm a book sorry. coming out. Really? It's very cathartic. Yeah. I'm to
0: write that. So normally I talk with my guests about like we talk a lot about kind of developing kind of ownership as an artist, you know, because there's it's one thing to have creative predispositions as a child and it's another thing to kind of stake a claim in like a career mm-hmm. and this is not a question for you like for all kinds of reasons but I would still like to hear you talk about like career stuff how you kind of I mean maybe more specifically like how you as an individual were experiencing like a transition from being a talented child to being like a professional adult Music performer
1: Yes So I'm I'm Um, less
0: interested In like What the What you did And more interested In like How it felt
1: I'm really Really good At faking it Okay And I'm I'm wildly charming And I'm handsome And I know it and I know exactly how to flirt. Like, my grandma, it was funny. So my brother doesn't know how to flirt. He's okay. adorable, but he has Scott. no clue. Scott. Yeah. He's gorgeous and, like, an actor and doesn't have the same, like, charisma as I do. Yeah. Um, as far as, like, interviews, as far as, like, hey, um, who are you? Let's be friends. Like, when
0: did you, like, know that you had that?
1: My grandma taught me when I was a child. Okay. Like, okay. my mom's mom, wow. Joyce. The most beautiful woman you've ever seen Joyce in your life. such
0: a pretty red, name. Red,
1: gorgeous hair. Bye. She was like from Ogden. My grandpa, Egginton, was a colonel in the Air Force. He looked like the most gorgeous man alive. They were Bye. truly the most beautiful pretty people. pretty people in your family. Stunning. beyond. Yeah. <laughs> and she had this red hair and gorgeous skin, and she was beautiful. She was my favorite. And she would be like, I mean, like, Grandma, I like, I got a C. And I was in elementary school Yeah, or whatever. I get yeah. a 60% or something in yeah. reading. She's like. Jeff,
2: go talk to your teacher. How?
1: She was like, I don't know, I just didn't do the work. And she literally said, Jeff, you have to do this. And she would be like, This is how you talk to your teachers. This is how you hold your head. This is how you blink your eyes. And this is how you flirt. She taught me how to flirt. That
0: is insane.
1: Which is the the greatest gift ever. Yeah. So one thing I never believed I was really worthy of anything Mm -hmm. because of my shame and what I learned growing up, but I could fake it. That's and so I knew I had a gorgeous voice. So I knew I could sing great. And everything else just kind of like was out of necessity. Because when I left, um, when I came out, I knew that the Mormons couldn't pay my bills anymore through doing albums because right. I did like two or three albums with them. Right. I and I was like, such
0: a trap for so many people. What do gay
1: people do? And I was like, musical theater. Okay.
0: So I literally
1: okay. got um my equity card because I knew I needed an equity card because my dad did a show called The Ark. Yeah. And wow. while they were casting it. Rachel Hoffman, who actually just texted me today. Oh
0: my gosh. Small, um, she works weird. at
1: Telsey now, but she was ding, a casting ding. director. She cast the show and, um, she helped me like yeah. like I had friends in musical theater because of like the Stephen Schwartz thing the like doing musical right. theater dad getting his play on broad off Broadway. Yeah, yeah, the relationships that were built were pretty amazing. So I um, I had some skill set on it, I, but I didn't actually like really study it in school for that long. I did like MDT wow. and was a young ambassador at BYU for a minute. Okay um but i just was kind of clueless That's so
0: interesting because most people who you know i well i think now that i'm saying this maybe i'm wrong but i think most people who like end up on broadway they just like love it and it's the only thing and it's the end all they be-all. do yeah and for you it's like i guess and my
1: ex-husband loved it and so does my brother like they love acting That's and crazy. i knew i didn't love it because of how passionate they were like I was literally wow. a mistress to my ex-husband's love for theater this
0: is crazy to me right now a little bit like just this this different perspective of being like, good at
1: something doesn't mean you want to do it
0: yeah wow okay wait I have another question that's real it really is like kind of because it's all—it's all, literally
1: the only path I was given. Right? I was going to be the next yeah, Donny was Kind
0: of like take it for granted, and you're going to or... carry the
1: church on your back, and you're going to be very famous. Yeah. I've had—I've known I've had a world-class voice since I was 14.
0: That's crazy.
1: Like 16. Like,
0: Can you tell me, like, what did it feel like to be, like, to be charming? To know you're charming. To know you're tall and handsome, and to know that you know how to flirt, and then also to be like so insecure it's
1: so weird it's like it's this weird 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 thing that i'm trying to actually like talk about in my book and stuff but it's this um it's like um it's it's like being a trust fund baby and having all the money in the world um and being like, you know, your dad made a hundred billion dollars and you made a hundred million dollars. And what's great is you don't have any financial woes and everyone looks at you and goes, you have it all. And what you don't have is a sense of ownership and authority in your own life that you'll, anything you do is not worth what you've been given. Right. So you're constantly trying to figure out what your value is. Yeah. And so I understand like that plight. It's. I feel like having tons of money is just the same. Is is similar plight as having zero money, because sure. the struggle is real for both people. Yeah. So like I kind of I have a lot and... of space for people and myself who seemingly have it all, yeah. but the struggle within the having the thing yeah. that everybody thinks that they want and want. So to you
0: have. didn't really have like ownership over your artistry. No. Yeah. Wow. Okay. No, I was a good regurgitator. Okay. I, I, yeah, and I, I can totally see how your relationship with your voice is like you're still figuring it out.
1: It's weird to be able to like do everything, like like I know like opera stuff, I the classic like p- be able to place my voice like in every place every so genre. convincingly yeah, wow. that it's like wow, it's it's nuts because um, I didn't do anything else. Like I never paid bills. I never got a jo- other jobs. I. I was paid to be a vocalist since I was eight years old like well, yeah. and I had voice lessons every week all week and then when I wanted to do style lessons I would take three de- three hours a day I yeah. never had to pay my visa bill like I do you,
0: do you ever like wish you had just studied something else
1: yeah I saw, I wanted to be a chiropractor and I couldn't be a chiropractor because Seth Riggs was like you're the best thing in the world and then I did my first album when I was 17 oh. with my dad and we immediately toured and I wanted to go to Pepperdine but like I was it was just there was no other road road for me
0: so how how does it feel now that you're like you're in you're on this road tr- like trying to make it yours and not something that's kind of like was put on you does that make sense like you've like you're not switching careers now right
1: no um the thing is is that when you spend 38 42 years doing one thing um after i got divorced and i left new york and i was super suicidal and i had failed at marriage and i had and i had gone to enough therapy that I couldn't hide the I'm unlovable thing anymore and it was yeah. like emerging from the inner depths of my soul and I had to sit with it I wanted to like start over and I wanted to be like a dental hygienist or I wanted to like do anything else but yeah. performancing. and um I started teaching then and within okay. 6 months of t- being a voice teacher I was producing this movie in LA for my friend Kristen this movie called Dear Dumb Diary and I was the voice coach of this beautiful young girl who's now um, Emily Lind who's now like on the new HBO show and like I was like I immediately went the second I started voice teaching I then became I had a studio at Robert Downey Jr's house like in LA like I immediately became like a voice teacher and it was like wildly validating and so what's amazing is I can't complain but
0: like real validating, right? Or no?
1: It was, it was, it's weird how everything goes well for me.
0: Okay. okay but also being filled with
1: shame. Like yeah. I was, but I then, while I was doing all of that, I was like, I'm unhappy. Like I'm yeah. still not valuing myself. I've been defined my so whole life tricky.
2: by really who tricky. I know
1: yeah. and what I can do instead of who I am. Yeah. My voice was something that became a thing I could do, not a reflection of me.
2: Yeah.
1: So, um, even though it all, I've never known that wasn't true, but it, it was like, I was conditioned to think it was different yeah. and Seth Riggs right. and famous people and we lived in Malibu and we, my dad's Michael McClain and we, I was on Broadway and I would, uh, I actually wasn't on Broadway. I did tours. I never actually was on Broadway. I'm yeah. very it, real like, to tell people. I'm yeah. like, I did the first national tour of Legally Blonde and I did spam lot in Las Vegas and I did a thing in San Francisco. You, it's and I,
0: professional yeah. Broadway. It's professional musical theater. Musical theater. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Were you in the middle of a thought?
1: Um, Basically, I've never not been wildly invested in knowing that I have something special. Um, It just took me 40 years to figure out how to love it because I was unlovable. Yeah. And then my journey of discovering I was lovable is a fascinating tale. Can you
0: tell me about that?
1: Um, yeah, I, I, I ended up being in all of the places that I was taught as a child, God couldn't exist. Yeah. And because I was wrong, there was a lot of like drug dens. There was a lot of intravenous drug use. There was a lot of, not a lot. There was like a year of it. Okay. Um, but quantifying times, like it wasn't like I was shooting up at 14. It was like I was shooting up at 40,
0: okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like,
1: um, and, uh, a lot of like, external validation and like, trying this was to like get
0: right around your divorce am i getting the timeline right
1: no i got divorced and came back in 2012 and then drug years was like 2016 okay 15 okay. 16 it's so like and five so years ago so
0: during so you left new york you became a voice teacher that also was fraught because it was still like you're getting this validation for something that isn't like you.
1: The thing is, is that I had unbelievable careers that I gave up for relationships because I was taught as a child. The only thing that really matters is if you're married
2: yeah, yeah or yeah.
1: if you're you your only real value is in partnership. So yeah. it wasn't like go be famous, go do your thing. It was like, go be married, go be partnered, yeah. have an eternal family.
2: Right, right, but right. whatever
1: your career is just what you do. So I turned down and was kind of a jerk to huge Opportunities that people would die to have because I just didn't want them because I needed to be partnered. Sure, so sure. my trauma was if I'm married, then I'm valuable. And so I had this trajectory to do this whole Broadway career. And then the second my marriage started falling apart, I couldn't even show up for auditions. Like okay, I couldn't I even see. believe I had anything. So everything that I did was basically... To be partnered, but I didn't love myself or know how to value myself enough to know how to love someone else. So I was in a lot of gross, amazingly toxic relationships. Okay. So after I became the, the coolest voice teacher ever and was having all these studios, enter yet another man that I had a ridiculously toxic relationship. Okay. But this one was so bad that I knew that it would never change became suicidal because at the end of all of my toxic relationships, I have to die because things aren't going to change and I don't have any value independent of the the partnership. So that truth needed to change and that truth happened to change while being high. (laughs) Okay, okay, <laughs> and, and okay. like on drugs I discovered all of the things about my structure and my brainwashing that wasn't correct for me okay. and then it was through drugs that I ultimately like found God okay. and found that God could show up for me in all the places that I was taught he could never exist or it could never exist yeah. and then I built a relationship around um, being um, a mess yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was the perfect. Everything was perfect. We're all perfect. Look at my perfect voice and my perfect hair and my perfect face. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was a wreck. And then pulling myself back together, asking for help, um, admitting I was a drug addict, um, wanting to die, and then wanting it's to like live. That
0: real vulnerability. Yeah.
1: yeah. And then then became the, it became the journey of like real therapy, like real. Like going to AA, really discovering a God that could actually love me, like processing what kind of conditional love existed, learning that I learned conditional love from like my mom, learning I had to die from like, not just this church, but like a community that would daily bully me for being feminine on any level and knowing that my femininity deserved that level of Totally, um, I, I
0: definitely get some of that again as a person who has narcissistic parents. Yeah, some of that kind of like the conditionality, and it, and it trips me out sometimes to be in a career where there's a lot of subjectivity.
1: Totally,
0: because that's conditional love too. Absolutely, <laughs> like it yeah. really it really messes me up sometimes. I just want to ask: in the years like before, before the drug years, uh-huh. did did you think of yourself as an did you ever think of yourself as an artist in kind of like the most idealistic v- version of that term? um or rather, maybe I'll ask like what does that word mean I, to you? Okay.
1: I was surrounded by artists, yeah. like my brother was dating Mandy Gosling, who was like Ryan Gosling's sister. And, like, we would go to these parties. And I lived in Malibu. And I would, like, I was teaching the Spielbergs kids and, like, Rob Reiner's kids and, like, Terry Hatcher's kids and, like, Meg Ryan you'd see all the time and David Foster and the the Hankses, Like, you just, like, I went to school with, like... Mel Gibson's kids and you'd see them all a mess and you'd see them all not a mess and you just saw everyone as a person and my dad was an artist and like the biggest deal to the Mormons and like brought Mm -hmm. the spirit in incredible ways but also farted when he ate pizza Okay, and so I've never thought of of art, the idealization of what artistry is and what artists are was never not just humanity
0: okay, okay.
1: So there was I, I never had this vision of an artist Okay, and I, if I did have a vision of an artist I would meet them and I'd go oh you're a cool person
0: yeah okay okay so maybe I mean like you know I I'm thinking about these you know these larger than life kind of like ephemeral magical things whereby we communicate soul to soul and you know affect change in the world did you ever like were there ever moments on stage or anything that felt kind of like this pure, like, Oh, a thousand
1: percent. Thousand, I know what, what yeah. you mean. Yeah. Can you um, talk to me about I, how you
0: reconciled like those beautiful, pure moments with like all of this toxicity or like how, how did you think about it? Or, um, did you? or maybe even like, did those moments feel, um, precious? Like, or, is it
1: possible Yeah. for the prophet to be a prophet. And just a dude. Is it possible for Michael Jackson to be the greatest voice that's ever been and also be a pedophile? Is it possible for Michael McLean to be psycho bipolar, totally ignored his child and listen to the gentle, sweet whispering promptings of the spirit for 5000 people and get it right? Mm -hmm. Um, Is it I grew up with an intimate relationship with phenomenal brilliance? And artistry and yeah. power yeah. and humanity. Wow. Yeah. And flaw in a clusterfuck, if you will. Yeah. Of, I will. of like swirl. Yeah. Um to see what kind of parent these famous people were. Um, And then other people that were like completely comfortable with themselves. Mm. Um, I found that most people who weren't really famous in the middlemen were always everybody that everybody was always pissed at my dad because he just wasn't a real musician. He just wrote these sweet little songs that everybody seemed to connect with. And Mm. why does he get to have quadrillions of album sales? And no one listens to my really complicated, interesting music. Mm. And there's always some level of any time you're a 10 at anything, people want to tear you down. And anytime you're really low,
2: anytime you're a a 10, 10. yeah. So
1: everybody wants everyone to be a five. Sure. Just in the middle somewhere. Yeah. And the second you're too great of a vocalist and you're too awesome. People want to tear you down a little bit and go, not really. And then if you're too depressed, people want to bully you up. And so um, I just had the opportunity of being on both of these unbelievably huge pendulum swings where I was a total drug addict, but I was also a brilliant, amazing vocalist. So what's interesting is that I was in constant harmony with relationship to singing, bringing total spirit to an unbelievably beautiful, spiritual Mormon sanctioned event and then like masturbating sure. to gay something yeah and to gay thought yeah the next day and because i had been living with that like constant swirl of they both exist yeah um i get to be the evil and the good where my dad can only be good Okay. I find that most Mormons have this very real conflict with, well, I have to be good. Yeah. So anything that doesn't suggest that I'm good, I try to ignore or okay. don't want to see it. Yeah. And I was forced to sit with um, all of the bad.
0: And that felt like this thing that we're talking about, this like art thing. Mm-hmm. Or what are you saying?
1: What I'm saying is that you're asking me to be honest about a euphoric sure. opportunity okay. 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 Where, okay. I, where I emerged I as an artist because okay. I believe that you personally believe the artistry saves you. Yeah. in this way that it's a celestial spiritual experience yeah. for you or and, at least sometimes and sometimes, it and is. sometimes yeah. yeah and so yeah. what's interesting is i'm sitting talking to someone yeah. about artistry yeah yeah and i'm going eh. and you're going yeah, but, but so can you tell me how amazing it is and i'm like well it's it's just being alive so and you're like but but tell me how special no it no, is no for i you. totally get Do you know it. what i mean and no, i'm no, like
0: well i think i think i'm asking i think i'm asking the question this way because i'm i'm wanting to confirm that you ha- don't think of it the way that I think of it. Yeah, Not yeah, yeah. Shouldn't. No, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the podcast is called Artifice because I believe that art is like a weird unknown. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, 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 art, yeah. So this thing that you're, these things that you're saying are like exactly in line with like my whole premise. No,
1: of course, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: but it is, it is such a weird. It's so unknowable. It's so- also
1: fun to sit here and energetically know what you want me to say.
0: Oh, sure, I, yeah. you, you
1: know how you, you know how, when you actually have narcissistic yeah. parents, you just, yeah. you learn every whimsical, energetic yeah, yeah. shift, which sure, is probably what sure, makes you a brilliant sure. teacher. Like yeah. you, you can tell the second that what, that you, you yeah. can say a thing that will change the mood totally. and it's your responsibility to pay attention to everything that's going on. Yeah. And like, there's things when I'm like, Oh my gosh, I kind of tell what, I know what you want me to say. Or, and
0: or even like, like, I just, I, like I said, I, I don't even necessarily, I don't think I have something I want you to say. I just, I just want to confirm that like we, you are or aren't like having these moments, even just, um, you know, like with another actor or something and you're confirming that you don't like you, you reject the premise that art is magical. Is that true? Um,
1: I, I do. Um, I, I reject the premise that art is special Okay. because people come to me with piles of gold and they say, here's what I want. I want my voice to be powerful, strong, sexy and cool cuz that's what it has to be. Yeah. Cuz I want to sound like Christina Aguilera or I want that's the the yeah. a- epicenter of artistry. Yeah. Yeah. And I go, "Well, how do you feel?" And they're like, "Shitty, sad alone and scared." Right. Yeah. And I go, "Well, why don't you sound shitty, sh- shitty sad alone and scared?" And they're like, oh, "No. How dare you? How dare yeah. you suggest that I can add that sure. to the to the to the thing?" Yeah. And so I'm because I know that this is an artist um platform
0: I mean it is no, yeah, yeah in a
1: way um, I want to say out loud I am sorry that my perspective no, no, is I love it. no it, it I, I want to acknowledge yeah I've never ever had to struggle sure as an sure. artist like ever like ever ever ever
0: okay
1: um when I decided I wanted to do musical theater I went to two auditions yeah. and booked the lead
0: Wow, that's like, crazy! You know, yeah. like and
1: then and then I I totally fucked it up. Like I had no idea how to show up on time. Right. I had no idea how to honor the thing. I because you
0: hadn't done that work. You hadn't, I
1: hadn't done the work.
0: It was kind of like there was like a hollowness or something.
1: And no one sings better than me.
0: Okay, okay. I yeah. have the
1: best voice on the planet. Wow, and I know it. And yeah. so what's interesting this is when so I say that out loud to, to people me. that they get really uncomfortable. No, no, no I it's know very what you mean. weird. And I'm yeah. like, I'm the world class voice, and my voice is stunning, and no one's better than I am. And I have it know I'm a ten. yeah, And what's strange is and when
0: it, it's not um,
1: it's just knowing like i don't well, I don't have to question it like I don't
0: and it yeah, and there's it's not um it's not a confidence that's come out of like, these years of...
1: Struggle. Yeah. Like, I've had to earn so, interesting. it. Interesting.
0: Okay, real question. And I'm not, like, it's not a leading question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. genuinely. Do you think that some of this, like, art being just human and not mm-hmm. special, do you feel like... Do you feel like some of that is, like, a fame-specific thing? And maybe if you're talking to, you know, like, a poet that, mm-hmm. like, never... Has any commercial success that you might like? Is it different?
1: Um, I think that art being special is the one thing that keeps non-famous artists from doing it, because people who are famous do it.
0: Okay, so in other words, the fame is related. The fame is related. Yeah, like the the bastardization of art. The only reason
1: your neighbor doesn't sing. Is that it's because they See, aren't good enough. or yeah, This like, is so yeah.
0: interesting because... Because it has I, to be
1: special and good and powerful and strong I and I famous. I feel
0: like a totally different way about this, which is... N- nobody told me in my childhood that I was good at anything. And... I'm
1: lucky. I (laughs)
0: am so crazy.
1: I was like, this is what you're good at. And you're the best.
0: So I am a person, (laughs) me, Emily, this Uh like your new friend. Hi love. (laughs) Hi, new colleague, new friend. friend. Um, I'm a person who loved art in this magical pure way. Mm. When everyone around me told me this is bullshit, you can't do it. Not only not only can kind of nobody do it, but like you especially can't really do it. Oh, you're yeah. not pretty enough, you're not talented enough. Yeah. And I was so moved and healed by art in all kinds of forms, you know, yeah. not just music, but I was reading a lot. I loved movies. um, and I felt so, so magical mm-hmm. about these things that I without anybody telling me that I should like did commit to do it and now fill my life with it. Mm -hmm. And that feels really magical to me. And when I started this podcast, which again is called artifice, Mm -hmm. I think my sort of thought, which makes perfect sense from my background is that a lot of people, like you said, like my neighbors don't do art because they think only people who've been told they're talented and have these, you know, extra things get to do it. And I feel like, no, 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 Anybody can do it. Mm. Um, And so I'm coming at it from a like, let's dispel this idea that only beautiful, talented, famous, well-connected people get to do this and kind of reclaim this. um...
1: They do have an advantage for sure. But yes. Yeah. So I think my experience that your experiences is my the portion of me that's gay. Had okay. that experience?
0: Yeah, I would love to like, hear you meaning, talk about meaning that. Meaning, meaning, I
1: feel like we're all different parts. Like, we're artistic part, gay yeah. sexuality, like, you like religion, blah, that all that. Other, There's all these parts of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And your artist where your artistic self was stifled, my, um, my, uh, gay identity was stifled, sure. and so I completely understand how you feel. Yeah. About the need to, um, emerge as a and so the 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 things you're talking about about artistry
2: yeah
1: the language is different sure. but the feelings around your discovering of artistry is yeah. the way i um struggled with my own personal identity wow. and so i don't have personal identity in my art
0: okay i see because
1: of my struggle with the so i have this booming career that yeah. is void of my personal identity okay
0: okay So that another big thing that I talk about with so many of my guests is the idea that creativity doesn't belong to the arts. Like creativity is a totally separate human sparkle. Yeah. 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 So does like the way that you, I don't know how to ask this question, but like your, um, journey Mm -hmm. as a gay person, um, and all of these things like the, what am I trying to say? Like Mm -hmm. you were talking about how my experience as an artist, like is a mirror. Yeah. Do you feel like there's creativity in the way that you manage to hold on to parts of this Manage to like, like, does it feel creative to like stick a claim in this identity?
1: Um, I feel, uh, I know that I'm coming across as being very like, um, Bipolar. I'm like on, accepting on you
0: totally no, as you are. Uh, no, totally. I, re- yeah. I know that. But I wanted to
1: own <laughs> the fact that like there's a lot of bipolarity in the story because yeah. there was a lot of like I'm the greatest thing in the world and I'm also a piece of shit. Like There's sure. like both of those things are coexisting yeah. with me for forever yeah. as a creative person. Yeah. Um, and to this day, I still manage in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, in, so specific to musical theater. So, um, my job in Legally Blonde was to be straight. Yeah. And the there's a lot of ingrained homophobia in musical theater because everyone who does it is gay. Sure. So there's a lot of like directors that are like, you can't play a straight guy because you're gay in life. And I know that you're gay in life. So I want to see straight people play the part. And there's a straight men in musical theater, in my opinion, are very um, boring because everything's very like monotone and like.
0: Sure. I to straight So as possible. scared and so losing all this.
1: My job color. that I did for two years, playing Warner, I don't even know if I was good at it. Let's be real. Um, the only thing anyone said to me after the show was, "I couldn't even tell you were gay. You were so good at not being gay. Oh my gosh." And that's all that's anyone. The, ep- the apex of what people thought was appropriate to say wasn't oh my gosh you're making all these great choices and maybe i wasn't making great choices i think everyone was just amazed by the fact that
0: they like that i could
1: that i could not appear gay
0: sure
1: and um i have a lot of other friends who their only experience was that too so to finally get to the point where you're accepting that you are who you are and you're going to this field that with a lot of other gay people and the only thing that you're complimented on is how not gay you act yeah and you're being praised for hiding in musical theater in the same way that you were being like hiding in high school and hiding your whole life. Yeah. so, um, yeah, so what's interesting is art's always been real in in whole, not good, not bad, just whole. Okay. so it's been this um uh, way big ups, you know, where you're singing and you hear your voice and you're on stage and you're like, Wait, was that me? Yeah, yeah. I remember there there, there was this like forgotten carols, because I sing about Jesus a lot because my dad, um, and of course, Jesus hated me and God hated me my whole life, but the, creating that relationship. But there's like, there's these things that I can do with my voice that I go, oh. Yeah. There's a, like, <laughs> when I'm like, there was this song, um, three kings found the Lord. There's like, Oh, yeah, yeah. there's these sounds in these vibes that I, ay. Yeah, there's, there's that vibrato thing vibrato. that when I do it, I go, Oh uh. yeah. And I, and there's times when I'm like, Joe Anderson does the sound for forgotten carols every year. And like, there's, there's like so many times that I'm singing and going, is that me?
0: Yeah. Like yeah. what the, and Holy shit. And you do have a little magic moment.
1: Oh God. Yeah. Um, so I'm having magic moments like all the time. Okay. There's magic moments when you're like singing with Laura Bell Bundy and you just, like you're like connected. You just don't
0: make the mistake of thinking that there's not ugliness attached to and then you gotta do it for two
1: years Yeah. do you know how boring it is to do a musical theater show for two years of your life in Dayton, Ohio (laughs) yeah, opening night with like Jerry Mitchell in New York with all these famous people in the Pantages Theater is a lot of fun, but you're also doing two months of a run in Dayton, Ohio where there's only a Subway sandwich across the street from the theater and you're like trying to figure out how to like have a sleep schedule and not get fat and try to be hot and like worry about singing for 40 minutes a day all day
0: so again like i hear what you're saying this this idea of kind of like a meta creativity like a, a meta creativity it's just it's just one of my pet topics i love mm-hmm. talking about okay. it um you know i think of it like well being creative enough to see another path for yourself in your life like mm-hmm. whether whether or not it's art yeah or like you know being like having the creativity to look at another person and see commonality or having the creativity to look at yourself and see someone lovable like that.
1: I like that narrative. Cause mine is like, whatever you pick, it's going to be hard Mm -hmm. and whatever you pick is going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. Like, like whatever the journey is, whether it's, um, and I like the word creativity. Yeah. Like the creativity is going to lead you to the thing. Yeah, Mine's like, whatever you choose to do, is going to be... It's going
0: to have a duality.
1: It's going to be dual. It's going to oh. be awesome and awful. There's yeah. going to be things about it that you're going to hate. It's
0: like it's radical acceptance. And there's yeah. going to be things
1: about it that you love. Yeah.
0: yeah so I, uh, I even think of it beyond like making kind of choices in our lives. Like I think of it in that way. But also like I think it requires just personally, I think it requires creativity to look at a student that's... Got a lot of problems and see where they're brilliant.
1: I yeah, think. I also think it's funny that we think we ever choose anything. Like, uh, like I have, exactly. I have a big. I'm like I am. I am the product of people's yeah. choices for me sure i, and think I i'm saying the same and thing I, like, that's like yeah. the creativity to to like take what is non-agency right. and turn it into choice yes is that's, the ultimate life thing yes
0: okay i think that's we're totally on the same no page now. anybody
1: chooses that. like like yeah. i didn't pick my weird parents i didn't pick my weird totally. like my, this weird religion i didn't pick that like there's so many things that like it's funny to be raised that you can choose to be gay but right. Mormon wasn't an option. Right,
0: right, You right, had right, right. to be
1: Mormon, but you can choose your sexuality. Totally, totally. These things that are like, so I, I, ha, I can't but, choose this weird narrative. And
0: I even think it's creativity to, or at least it feels adjacent to creativity, to like have a paradigm shift.
1: And that is artistry. So when yeah. creativity and artistry are the same word and the same thing, everything is artistry. Everything is the art of transforming Yes. From I'm unlovable to lovable, whether that means yeah. drug addiction, whether that means obsessiveness, whether that means hospitalization of kind right. or cancer or right. autoimmune situations or children or positive things yeah, or yeah. booking the role and becoming famous. And all of a sudden you're Lady Gaga and you're like, I love being Lady Gaga, but I can't go to Taco Bell yeah,
0: ever yeah, yeah. again. Right, right. Without
1: right. the deluge of fame. I right. learned that fame was a curse. Sure, As a baby. Sure.
0: Yeah. So when I'm talking about creativity and artistry, I'm talking about these like meta things that are like may or may not be the arts. Like yeah. it feels to me like this very esoteric, like you can be artful. And never touch the arts. Oh, I'm
1: in love with this idea. Yes. Yeah, so, I'm yeah. so into it. Great. Yeah. Great. Like, so I actually we
0: are totally thinking the same thing. Excuse me. I'm well, sorry. this has been beautiful. I've this has got me thinking in all kinds of new ways. Um, is there anything else that you I mean, so my does this make my other question feel different of like, have you felt artful or creative about like becoming a healthier person? Or like about yeah. um, thinking differently about your identity.
1: Um, <laughs> my artful creativity was um, having a regular life. Yeah. I quit performing and I was like, I just want to have a mortgage.
0: That's amazing, Jeff. And That's I just want to. That's so badass. I
1: just want to like have a nine to five, I guess. Yeah. And like, it That's was creativity. weird because I sucked at it.
0: Yeah, wow. I
1: sucked at all the things that everybody around me was doing so well. And they were like, why would you want to do this? I'm like, you mean have like, go to dinner at seven? Yeah, don't you think that's creative? And not have creative? to do a show? Like,
0: that is so oh, creative. yeah. That's so creative to have yeah. the best voice in the world and be like, no. No. That's so creative. I think that's like.
1: And I also wrote my first song when I realized that I was just going to write the shittiest song that's ever been. I
0: think this feels equally incredible. To someone who's been told their whole life that they can't draw, they can't whatever. Yeah. And they fucking do it anyway. Like it feels... feels, That amazes me. It feels totally equal Self-made
1: people amaze me. Yeah. People who are like you, who are like, I just, no one said I could do it. Thank you. And then I'm like, wow, really? I'm so jelly. Because you get to own (laughs) so much of the process as your own instead of it being entangled with other things.
0: But this is such a beautiful reminder to me. And this is always my point. This is this is my point of this podcast to like behold the person and not behold the skill set and not behold the accolades and not behold the connections because like you are being this person yeah. who's staking a claim in your life in a creative way by not doing the things that... Well,
1: and, and also be patient with people yeah. who lead with those things like um so much of my identity was being those things so i would like i would find a way um because i couldn't really love myself but i would find a way to lead with i'm a i'm a big deal
0: go ahead i think it's still recording i just get paranoid and you're saying such beautiful things and these pops are scaring me do you hear those i think i just need new cables yeah
1: i think it's my my ears
0: it's also i think it's the cable the cable yeah Anyway, we're all good. We're good.
1: Um, No, I think what's interesting is that for so much of my life, I never gave myself permission to just be because I thought people only wanted me to lead with. I'm a big deal. I'm a gorgeous voice. I go on. So my identity was being famous so that my parents had something else to talk about besides the fact I was gay or like uh, the things I was embarrassed by. It's
0: radical and brave for you to not do that anymore and
1: I think as people that's I think awesome. we should be more patient yeah. with the obnoxious girl next door who just is pretty and leads with yes, her looks totally. and then like does too much of her face and we want to we want to criticize her and be like well why don't you just take off your makeup well see this is uh, the like, same thing I'm yeah. saying with like
0: creativity like it takes patience and I would say creative thinking to look at this girl and be like why else might you be doing this yeah what's going on I think that's my whole and and I call the podcast artifice because it's a great word. It is a great word. But also word. because all of us, every single one of us, is walking artifice. Like whether or not we mean to. Like how
1: to be a mother with children who are contrary to what you thought you'd have. How to be a parent independent of just being a parent and also parenting yeah. for 20 years and then being like, now I'm what a a wife? Or yeah, re re right. re identifying your marriage. Totally. Refiguring all out what to that do in stuff divorce. Is
0: big creative.
1: And Huge it's
0: complicated stuff, and every
1: human being does it.
0: Everybody does it,
1: and this this myopic thing that we value it only if you have an Instagram following or have a record deal is mm. so um, it just disservices the courage of other people. I couldn't people. agree
0: more, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I also like,
1: <gasps> oh my what? gosh, do you want me to tell you my favorite thing? Yes, please. Okay, my favorite thing is illuminating to um. Sorry, this makes me cry. Um, Illuminating to my students, to my students, when they sing a song with me, yeah, and they sing the three or four notes, and I go, "So is that good? Because it is good, Mm -hmm. or is that good if people hear it, right? And if people like it, Right, right? And um, what's interesting is when you're in a family that." how we eat is by how many people like our stuff. Right. Um, you get this idea that like my art is only good if it sells. Right. Its value is only in with people like it. And what I've learned from this journey is I am. Pure and beautiful and enough. Period. Independent of anything that I do. And, um, I thought that what I, if I sang well enough, then I, and people liked it, then I could like myself. Mm. And the value of my voice is, regardless of whether anyone hears it or appreciates of it. Of course. Yeah. And that understanding and then relaying that to other people and giving my students and other people and myself permission. Yeah. To value ourselves independent of external validation 100%. is my favorite thing in the world to do. And that's why I do it all. That's me like too. my favorite
0: yeah.
1: um, reminder. And that's what I need to hear. Yeah. And I only teach because I want to teach myself. It's like very... <laughs> I get that. I totally it's know very, what you mean. It's very cathartic for me, but...
0: Well, it's pure. And it's it's this karma thing. It's, yeah. like, it's like you when you teach especially children but also adults i teach a lot of adults I and i love adults, that too yeah. um you get to teach your inner child in like all of those lessons Yeah, i mean at least i am always teaching my inner child i'm al- i think i'm always like I have at least a little bit i have my
1: right here yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. i
0: think i'm always at least a little bit projecting baby emily on all my students 1000%.
1: Yeah. 1000%. <laughs> yeah. And as you should. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's the creative artist that gives you permission to value and honor you. Yeah. And give it voice. Yeah. It's huge.
0: Do you want to say anything else about how you foresee rebuilding your like creative relationship with your voice
1: yeah I am um, I'm married to a creative guy who didn't tell me he was doing music for forever wow. he's TKOH the king of hearts okay. and he has like his own like he's just released his two EPs and he literally is on his own creating his own wow. like spirit like it's yeah. brilliant I am married to him and I'm like wow this is so cool and it's
0: pure and it's pure yeah. and
1: like he has voice lessons and he's I teach him what his head voice is like it's just so fun to be married to somebody who is in the this pure expression that of that spark of it. Yeah. I, um, that's beautiful. I will, I wrote my story down in this book called, um, the, the working title, stay in the room. We have this publisher out of New York cool. and, um, I'm finishing it with my dad and this uh, therapist, Dr. Brad Reedy. Wow, that's and so that's coming really out next year. That
0: you're writing it with your dad.
1: And then I, um, yeah. have a video series okay. that I'm making called find your voice. Anyone can sing. And that's going to be my, um, Um, expression and I'm going to do a business of video series called find your voice. Anyone can sing, find your voice. Anyone can keep singing, find your voice.
0: Pure and good. Yeah. And it's like,
1: find your voice, connect to your truth. Find your voice, connect to your trauma. Heal as part of this video series. I have a therapist who comes on and helps people through guided meditations of why they feel like they're traumatized by their voice or whatever. So my job is to like help heal the idea that, um, that, you ever that you're singing somehow this divine gift that you're bestowed upon yeah and i want to change that
0: i yes i mean i say this all the time like i would a million times rather hear out of tune exuberant joyful oh, singing thousand percent yeah i couldn't agree more and, and when I people are like, me, like I that's art like yeah. i just i love i love art as like a pure human expression even if it's Like, follows no standards. The rules. Yeah. The rules are not... I love it more than anything. I love it as, like, a defiant, like, an expression of the fact that, like, we as a weird primate are, like, do this other thing. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I find it just... Incredible.
1: Well, I'm actually excited to work with you at UVU yeah. because um, they called me out of the blue, and I, I had, gave them your name. Oh, thanks, baby. Yeah. Before you even knew me. <laughs> I know. You're like I just, I just felt had a it.
0: I did. Um, and
1: so what's fun is that I've never actually worked during the day. Like I yeah. work from two to eight normally, yeah, teaching yeah. voice, and so I'm like, I've always wanted a ten to two job, and I've always thought about like doing school. So I got my bachelor's degree so I could do that eventually. Yeah. And um, I'm excited to do like three days a week and like a ten hour a week. That's great. Like, go hang out and say hi to kids.
0: How many students are you teaching? Do you know?
1: I can only teach 10. Okay. So I'm an adjunct professor. Okay. So 10's my limit. I'm an adjunct professor, too. Yeah. We have the
0: same job. But I'm um, teaching the performance class this semester, too. So.
1: Oh, that'll be fun.
0: I'm excited about it. But w- you were just saying you're excited to teach at UVU. Yeah, I'm excited.
1: Yeah. I'm excited to teach at UVU because I'm excited to teach, like, college-age kids. Yeah, yeah. Because usually I teach adults who work, and I teach them after work, and I teach to sure. kids who are in college. It's s- a different college. energy during the daytime. So after, it's different. Yeah. So I'm usually exhausted by, like, I go to bed at 9.30. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm done at 8, and then I'm asleep by 9.30. I
0: teach till 8, too, and but I stay up till 1 a.m. You do? How? Do, oh, see,
1: you're in your 30s, I guess. Well,
0: it's also, like, it's the jazz
1: <laughs> oh my gosh by the way side note i do have to tell you this Okay. lady gaga's jazz show is so effing good. really oh my god she's <laughs> magic it just wow. went on sale yesterday oh. i know we're not need to plug lady gaga at yeah, all because she's can, fine though. okay yeah. her jazz show <laughs> is beyond she embodies because you know she's just a brilliant actress who yeah. artistically
0: yeah
1: dives in and gives herself permission yeah. to be all of these things. Big
0: creative. Big
1: creative, big like permission. Uh, she just is, per- I, she embodies these things. Her jazz show where she talks about jazz, the importance of jazz, and you mm. feel like you're watching Liza Minnelli. You feel yeah. like you're watching like these, like Rosemary Clooney, like yeah. all of these o- old jazz You're saying like all of the Broadway
0: jazz people. Celebs. The good cabaret people. The
1: cabaret yeah. people. Yeah. yeah, cool.
0: Yeah, yeah versus like, Sarah von Billy Holiday, or like the Nina
1: Simone's, or yeah, like those jazz sure, singers, sure. like the ones that were like jazzy, jazzy singers. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about like, like because Frank Sinatra was a Broadway jazz singer, right? Like Dean Martin was a Broadway da- jazz mm-hmm. singer. These were all like the performative Rudy ones. Yeah. And she does it with the big headpieces and the dresses yeah, and the yeah. sixty-piece band. Which, and like, yeah,
0: it's a different genre, but a cool genre. Yeah. yeah.
1: If you're real jazz, then this is a bastardization. Yeah.
0: I'm a real jazz person. Yeah.
1: Then you probably hate it. But I like everything. I love everything. Because
0: I love, I love creativity. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So it's like, it does bother me when people think that that is the only jazz there is. Oh, do people think that?
1: No, I just thought it was really good.
0: So many people think it. Um, It doesn't matter though. Jack, it doesn't matter this has been such most a people don't conversation. think they can sing and i'm like you yeah. can they're like i can't and i'm know, like oh wow I there's some told, triggers maybe I, we can well i feel the same way too like i i mean okay just since you said this i feel so passionate about the voice as like just it is what it is like it be how what it beautiful is. that your larynx could do all these things it's like different than mine if you think about well and even just as a species like us and birds, like our larynxes, can do so many more things than other mammal larynxes can do. It's like
1: unbelievable, just
0: by sheer physiology. Like not even person to person. Like as a species, it's our voices are incredible, incredible. And I think that's amazing. And like, just we all, every single one of us, deserves to stake a claim in like our voice as a means of expression. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen, girlfriend. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for having. Wait, me. Wait, I
0: always ask everybody two questions at the very oh, end. My gosh, little wrap okay, up. I'm
1: nervous now. Okay, they're so
0: easy. Okay. What's your dream collaboration? Celine Dion. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. And where can people find your work?
1: Um, I have all of my albums existed before. Um, iTunes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like along, like so I'm 40. So when I was 20, it was like the 90s. Um. So, uh, I. Just finish, did a thing for my dad called All Things Michael McLean, okay. And it's an app in a website. Okay. And all of his albums, which I sing on four or five of them, all of my works with Michael McLean are available on All Things Michael McLean, which we're launching next week, okay. which is his subscriber um, page. So for $3.99 a month, you get all things Michael McLean, Okay. And so all you can okay. subscribe to that. And, and for experience the listener, McLean is
0: not spelled the way you think it is going
1: M-C-L-E-A-N. To be M-C-L-E-A-N. Yeah.
0: It's what you think McLean will be.
1: It's McLean, Virginia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's great. McLean.
0: And then if someone wanted to take a lesson from you.
1: McLeanVocalWorks.com.
0: Okay, VocalWorks.com.
1: M-C-L-E-A-N, VocalWorks.com. A Um, a free evaluation. And then um, my Find Your Voice series should be out in January. That's so awesome.
0: I'm so excited. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Such a joy. Yeah, you too. Bye.